Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Weekdays at 5.30. We are 6.40 Toronto. Thursday morning, 22nd of June. Feels like summer, looks like summer, smells like summer. And we're four days away from the mayoral by-election. Monday, you can vote. Can't vote anytime before that. And two significant things happened yesterday that I'm going to get to. And it's great to have you with us. Let me say that as always. And we will cover all that is necessary to do with this uh, Ocean Gate submersive. We'll do the best we can to give you the latest on this particular uh, scenario. Obviously, um, this incident that's happened that you probably found out about around Monday at lunchtime. And we're now Thursday. And though I could eat lunch right now, we're about six proper hours from lunch. It's 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 just got everything. And I think actually people sometimes stories kind of ebb and flow and sometimes they really disappear from the cycle. And you're like, what happened to that? Well, obviously, a lot fewer people were talking about it and a lot fewer people cared about it. And so we've moved on from it. I don't think it's like that with this Ocean Gate um, scenario. And I was watching a good chunk of it last night in and out of the house a couple of different times, driving a kid here, here. Uh, getting back in from a run last night, and, uh, and and Ocean Gate was on a lot of people's minds, um, in a lot of people's chests as well, just thinking about the prospect of it. It it had a little bit of everything, and there's been a little bit of classism that I've noticed. Um, people who are angry that, that people have such means to do these things and choose to do these things. We, saw, we told you yesterday, even if this submersible is found, how do you pull it up? How do you rescue the people uh, that are in it? And I didn't know yesterday morning at this time that the founder, this Stockton Rush, who um, who got a pilot's license at 18. I don't know what you were doing at 18, but I wasn't becoming a pilot at 18. So he's done all this stuff with OceanGate, and he was one of five people on the Ocean Gate submersible. These aren't new things. They started taking people two years ago to visit the Titanic shipwreck. So I'm going to guess, I don't have an exact number and I've yet to see one and it's hard to find. I mean, you know, I, I, I put the, I put the, uh, the lifting in to find stuff out and I can't find how many runs Ocean Gates made successfully. But you'd think if they've been doing this since 2021, maybe one a month, they've probably done 30 of these and they've gone without issue and we haven't heard about it so we'll keep you posted on anything that breaks on this front as the morning continues that's for sure two big things happened yesterday in the toronto mayoral election um no question the toronto stars endorsement as anna bylaw of anna bylaw was surprising to some by the way she'll be on the show after 8 30 this morning anna bylaw will uh, we had Brad Bradford in studio yesterday, Anthony Fury in studio yesterday, Josh Matlow in studio yesterday. Um, but but it, the, the star endorsement, I think, took some by surprise um, because I think some people thought maybe the star would endorse Olivia Chow. My guess was more that they would endorse Josh Matlow, and I don't doubt we may have had Matlow in a few minutes before finding out that the star wasn't endorsing him and... Though it isn't the be-all and end-all, I don't doubt he was probably a little crestfallen and maybe dismayed that the star went in the direction of Anna Bailao. I don't doubt that that's true. Now, I will tell you, three days ago, Monday, I'd had two different conversations with two different campaigns, 
And the suggestion was John Tory has opinions about this particular race and this run, but he isn't going to weigh in and endorse a candidate. He'd obviously taken a photo with Anna Bailao that we asked Anna Bailao about. Not sure that she liked the question. It really doesn't matter, though. It really, it, it, it's immaterial whether she likes the question or not. And certainly by this point, I'm not here to be buddies with candidates. It's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm not here to endorse, but I'm also not here to be buddies with candidates. Hold people accountable. Talk about what, what, what impresses me about that. Maybe they're the same things that impress you. But I thought the Tory Bailau photo was interesting, and I didn't think it would get to the point. Like Monday afternoon going into Tuesday night, I'm thinking John Tory is staying out of the race. And then he just couldn't help himself. And he endorsed Anna Bailau. Here's uh, some of the robocall that many people got last night because Tory just went in, obviously, um, not necessarily under the cover of darkness, but he's not made himself available to any media. He hasn't stood in front of a microphone. He hasn't stood in front of a camera and explained anything about, well, you know, in essence, the last the last four and a half months. Here's some of the robocall from John Tory last night. Hi, John Tory here, and I'm calling on behalf of Anna Bailau. You can reach the campaign by phone at 416-551-9985 or by email at info at In this election, Anna Bailau is the right choice for mayor. She's a fighter. She's a negotiator. She's a leader. And I couldn't have asked for a better deputy mayor or colleague on city council. Anna Bailau is the leader who can deliver on the promise of Toronto. She will build housing. She will deliver transit. She will fix our city's finances and she will be there for you every day, working tirelessly to make this city better, working with other governments, bringing this city together as a mayor must do. She will help ensure we all continue to respect each other in this city as I try to do. I am voting for Anna Bailau, and I'm calling to ask you to vote for Anna Bailau on Monday, June 26th. Again, unexpected. John Tory. Yeah, sorry, John. I'm unexpected as of about noon yesterday that this would indeed transpire. I don't know that those are the biggest shoes that are going to drop, but it it's pretty significant. Again, Doug Ford says he's not going to talk about the election. We're going to play you what he said about Olivia Chow coming up a few minutes from now. Jennifer McKelvey, deputy mayor, kind of holding the place, keeping the seat warm, says, I'm not going to get, oh, I can't help myself. I'm going to endorse Anna Bailau also. So it's it's interesting how this has happened. It, it, it really is. I don't know if anything more interesting happens today, but that's why you're here, and it's what we're here for. 613, Shiba Siddiqui joins me right now. Again, we left the air yesterday at 9 o'clock. The star had, in, had endorsed Anna Bailao. That's probably a bit of a blow for Josh Matlow. Maybe it's even a blow for Olivia Chow, Shiba. But we didn't see the former mayor, the eight-year mayor, who left with a, um, in essence, a misconduct scandal within the office itself with a younger staff member. We didn't see him getting involved. And four days before the election, again, he steps in and, and he, he just had to. You know, this election in uh, in the fall cost us almost 15 million, I believe it was. And now they're saying that this current election has cost us 13 to 19 million. That's a big discrepancy. But let's see how much it actually ends up costing. On top of that, he sneaks into Anna Bailau's office, records this video shamelessly. And you're right. We heard people wondering who is he going to endorse, whether he's going to endorse somebody publicly. And then he went quiet. He's completely disappeared other than showing up at a baseball game here and there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know what to think of this. And then the robocall, it's just ridiculous. 
Yeah, there were reporters that got robocalls, people in the media. Um, if you do a search on John Tory robocall, like they flooded these phone numbers uh, last night. They like they flooded it out. And we'll ask Anna Bailau about that around 840 this morning. Um, I, I don't know. This has to help more than hurt because I posted it yesterday, Sheba. The, the biggest contradiction I've seen is that people complain about the city. They say this is bad. I don't feel safe. There's nowhere to live. The traffic sucks. Hey, I wish John Tory was still mayor. He did a really good job. Like, I don't get that. I don't get that. I like you can't you can't think both things at the same time. So I maybe there's a negative to a John Tory endorsement now at this there point. There might be, but look, first of all, I'm not surprised that he's endorsing Bylaw. Mm-hmm. If you were running for mayor and John Tory approached you and said, "Hey, I want to endorse you publicly," are you taking that endorsement? Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. Me it, too. It, it it does matter. The the name of the game is to win. Um, and I wouldn't say under any circumstance. And I, I, I kind of implied this yesterday, and I don't know how you view it. I think this has been a very clean campaign. We've seen uglier campaigns at the provincial level in some ridings, certainly at the federal level um, in some ridings. I think for the most part, there hasn't been a lot of mudslinging. There's nothing like what we see in other countries or the United no. States. With with attack ads and whatnot, I mean the most. The and most- there are some candidates who refuse to mudsling. Right. I and- think Josh Matlow is one of them. I'll call it out. I mean, we see things certain behind the scenes doing what we do, and I'm mm-hmm. just I got frustrated at one point that Josh Matlow doesn't want to play dirty. You can imagine so much conversation about uh, this Titan submersible incident that has happened, that has compelled us, that began on Sunday, but really most of us probably learned about it Monday. Um, at noon, but two years ago, OceanGate started pay- taking paying customers, and they weren't paying just a little bit of money. It's closer to a quarter of a million dollars, U.S. dollars, to visit the Titanic shipwreck, shipwreck and its Titan submersible. Um, and obviously, during a voyage uh, this last few days, contact with the company's submersible was lost. So there's been an international Operation Search and Rescue. The UK has been involved. Canada has been involved. The United States has been involved, given this is right off the coast of St. John's, Newfoundland. Um, we saw our next guest on uh, Anderson Cooper 360 last night, and he's been able to weigh in uh, a fair bit on this front. He is an astronaut, describes himself as astronaut adventurer, financier, and philanthropist. He is Pear Wimmer. Pear, it's great to have you on. Thanks for making the time for our audience here in Toronto. Sure, with pleasure. Um, this is obviously such a concerning story, a tragic story. What were your main takeaways when you first heard of this on Monday? Um, beyond the level of concern, this is just something that that most of us just haven't had cross our uh, our news cycle. Something so dramatic and so enveloping. Yeah, when I first learned about it on Sunday, um, initially I wasn't so concerned. Uh, you know, you can have a communication equipment failure where you can't communicate between the sub and, and the uh, mothership upstairs. So uh, it's not necessarily dramatic. When my concern levels really started rising seriously was uh, five, six hours thereafter, because if the communication systems are not working, and we know that that there was malfunction after one hour and 45 minutes, uh, then they're supposed to come back up to the surface and, and then get ready for fix the problem, whatever it is. Given they didn't come up at that point, I knew that there was a, a fairly important problem or significant problem there. And then I've been very, very worried ever since uh, because it's very difficult to conduct a rescue mission 
so fast, so deep potentially, and therefore the absolute best bet is for the submersible to make make its own way back to the surface. I think you bring up something that that I first brought up yesterday, and I don't know why it didn't occur to me on Monday night or or Tuesday during our show, is even if they are to find the submersible pair, how do you then either, for lack of a better term, tow it up if it's um, if it's not you know able to get up on its own? How do you rescue the people involved that that are at the bottom of the ocean floor, even if they have oxygen? All, all these are issues that are that are clearly front of mind for the people considering these rescue missions. Absolutely. I mean, there's a, there's a number of quite substantial challenges. First of all, first and foremost, you got to find the submersible. We still don't know where it is, mm-hmm. although we've heard these banging sounds, so there's an indication where it might be. Number two, um, the best technical bet is probably send an ROV, remote operated vehicle, uh, down to where the submersible is. Try to see if you can attach some some sort of wire and then pull it up that way. Uh, now, that's not something that's that's been done at these deaths before. The biggest recovery of a submarine was down in 500 meters historically. So to, to get that whole technical expertise and get that to work is another thing. Currently, the ROEs that I'm, uh, are deployed can go down to 3,000 meters. So if the sub has gone down to, say, 3,500 or so, uh, that would also be mission impossible. Although I understand that the U.S. Navy is now sending out something that can go deeper but it's a race against time, ultimately, um, and it's something where ideally you'd want to have uh, weeks, not hours, to conduct. Per Wimmer is our guest, um, and you have friends on this craft, which makes it more tragic, and, and our empathy is, is greatly with you. Who, who do you know that went down um, to visit the, the Titanic wreckage? Well, I know Hamish Harding, who is uh, an amazing, incredible person, larger than life, uh, based out of Dubai, British uh, businessman, very successful. But he's also a great adventure. He's got three uh, World Guinness uh, records to his name. He's a keen aviator. And um, he went down to the South Pole with uh, with some friends of mine. Um, so, yeah, so he's on board. He's a, The good news is he's a calm guy. I'm sure he, he will do, be doing all the right thing or the best things they can possibly do on, on board. Um, and then I obviously know Stockton a bit as well, because in 2019, I was signed up to steam out on, on this very expedition uh, down to the Titanic uh, with the Titan. So I got to interact a lot with the, uh, with the company and, and also saw Stockton's stock presentations, et cetera, at the time. You've got this incredible history of seeking thrills, and you've been able to do it, um, and you've been brave enough to do it. You've been to space three different times on three different rockets. Um, tell our audience why. Why is it so compelling to seek that adrenaline, to put yourself at risk, to put yourself in danger in all these different scenarios? And it's been far from just space, whether it's been, you know, um, in cross-country motorcycle trips or swimming with sharks. Why do you keep going back? What does it do for, for you from head to toe to feel this kind of a, an adrenaline boost? Yeah, so I'm going to space next year. So we'll, we'll, I'll have my first space launch. I was signed up on three different rockets, but next year will be my first trip to space. Mm-hmm. Uh, my claim to fame today was, was obviously I, I, I became the first person on Earth to skydive Mount Everest. Um, back in 2008. And yes, uh, I've done Harley back and forth, uh, east coast to west coast in the US and skied uh, 5,500 meters behind the skiing station in the world. So I've done all these things. As an adventurer, you want to push the boundaries. We have as human civilization 
pretty much since ever, lived in an 11 kilometers um, band, if you like, 10,000 meters up when we fly on airplanes and 1,000 meters down when we when we on submarines. That's, that's where most submarines would go down to. But outside that, that's where you push the boundaries, break records as an adventure. What drives me is the desire to learn, to explore, to enjoy those kind of living out your dreams, unique experiences with equal-minded uh, friends and adventures, whilst we at the same time try to do good charitable work, raise money for charities, uh, and try to inspire kids to be more interested in space and science. So it's with a good heart uh, trying to make other people live out their dreams, whilst we, of course, are, are living out our dreams as adventures. Does going to space make you nervous? No, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with it. It does. It can sound like a bit of a dangerous experience. And yes, uh, you do have a massive rocket in the back and there's a lot of energy release uh, that, that happens in a very short period of time. So it's certainly not without risk. But I'm very comfortable um, having spent a lot of time with the engineers, uh, visiting the factory floor, with the people involved, etc. So yeah, the risk is not zero, but it's, it is, in my opinion, worth that little risk, whatever it might be, to take. Um, and I'm so excited to go to space uh, next year. It's unbelievable to hear you say that. Per Wimmer uh, joining us on Toronto Today on 640 Toronto. Do you think we as, as you know humans are more conditioned to be fearful than fearless? Maybe that's about consequences. I look at where we've been the last three years with, with the pandemic or thinking, well, I love to, to ride my car fast, but I'm fearful of a crash or I'm fearful of getting an expensive speeding ticket. Are we just conditioned to fear more than we are to be brave about things? I think there are different people, to be honest. I think uh, some people would say the glass is half empty mm-hmm. and others would say the glass is half full. So we're different people, different risk profiles, uh, different desires. Adventures typically look at the glass as being half full. We are we're usually very positive people. We look for the challenge, the pushing the boundaries, etc. But we also do look at the calculated risk. I mean, what can go wrong? How can we mitigate it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think if you're one of those, the glass is half empty people, you probably wouldn't get involved in a lot of our adventures in the first place, to be honest. So we're just different people, different risk profiles. Yeah, like I asked that because the story around this submersible pair will be people saying, well, I would I would never do that. I wouldn't do that if you paid me the same amount of money that other people paid. But I do wonder if that will light up some people and they'll say under the right circumstances I would do something like this. I think most of us didn't even know that that such a tour existed. I know it only started two years ago, but a lot of people would say, I absolutely would do that regardless of the tragedy. Planes crash and we still go and get on airplanes and there's car accidents all the time and we still drive on the motorways. Absolutely. And in fact, it's safer to fly than to drive on the motorway car for the the record. But uh, but obviously nobody is compelled. Nobody has to go down to the Titanic. We as adventurers, we like to push the boundaries. I'm going to space next year, uh, going outside that 11 kilometers of, of band where, where we have been since ever, and that's what you do. Once you have done that, my, my plan was to head down to the Titanic. Um, you know, you go up, you go down, you push the boundaries. That's, uh, that, that's sort of in the DNA of, of an adventure. Um, and I think um, it's also helped sort of develop, develop technology for it. It helps push the boundary and, and inspires people around the world. I think so. I think so. Per Wimmer, thank you very much for your insight on this. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry that you're going through something where you know somebody on that particular crap. But thanks for f- speaking so emotionally and frankly about it with us today here in Toronto. We appreciate it. You're welcome. 
When last we left you yesterday morning, we found out that the Toronto Star had given an endorsement to our next guest, Anna Bailao. Then a few hours later, we found out the former mayor of Toronto, John Tory, had done the same. Joining us on the line in the midst of all this is mayoral candidate and former deputy mayor, Anna Bailao. Anna, thank you very much for making the time to come back on the show. We appreciate it. Always, always great to be here, Greg. So that's that's a day yesterday for sure. Um, What was your reaction? Because I'm sure that there was some my understanding is there was some not some wavering for support for you, but just some wavering from John as to whether he would do this publicly or not. When did you get confirmation that he would? Well, we uh, first of all, I got a text message from my best friend with a picture of the star at 5 a.m. It wasn't even online. So that was a good start of the day mm-hmm. quite a, to get that picture and trying to enlarge it to see what they were saying. So that felt good. And then we got confirmation uh, that uh, John was going to do it. And uh, and, uh, you know, it, it was it was great. It was I already had the endorsement of two other former mayors, you know, Art Eglinton and Barbara Hall had already uh, endorsement earlier in the campaign. And uh, and Jennifer McKelvey, who's been doing the job for the last four months, had endorsed me on Friday. And I think it's really important because these are people that have done the job. They know what it takes uh, and to have them uh, recognizing that I am the best candidate, that I have the skills to uh, bring people together, the experience, the track record of uh, getting things done at council, the experience of being at the table with the other orders of government yeah. uh, to get uh, things for the city of Toronto. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's very important. We, we can't have somebody learning on the job, and we have, to, we have an affordability and a housing crisis right now facing the city, the country, I would say. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, we need a mayor that, uh, that is going to recognize that and, and it's going to work on uh, on getting that housing building and making life easier and more affordable for people. Anna, could, could Tory's endorsement make the difference between winning and losing on Monday? Uh, we have a lot of momentum. I think this is a winning campaign that has been gaining and gaining and gaining momentum. Uh and uh, and I think that uh, that that will come through on Monday. Um, I think people will uh, obviously uh, know the plan that we're putting forward as well, uh, know the skills uh, and the experience and the track record that I have. And I think um, all of this together uh, on the 26th, people will uh, will be voting Anna Bailao because they they don't want higher taxes like Olivia Chow. They don't want an uh, anti-police, anti-business. Uh, like Olivia Chow. I think they, they want somebody with common sense, pragmatism that is going to bring council together and uh, and deliver for the city of Toronto. You mentioned pragmatism. Let's be pragmatic. Could John Tory's endorsement discourage some people from voting for you? I, th- I think we'd acknowledge there's some people still upset at him, angry at him, disappointed in him. But you're saying you think the pros will outweigh the cons here and more people will get out the vote for you than than not. I think I think people are going to looking at are going to be looking at my campaign, what I bring to the table, the plan that I have, the eight councillors that I have endorsing me, uh, the two the, the the former mayor, three former mayors, the six unions, the eleven members of parliament, businesses. Uh, so I think they'll look at it as as a whole, and uh, everybody will 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 uh, make their assessment. But I think what they'll see is that. This is somebody that acknowledges that there's an affordability crisis and that is going to focusing on key services that are going to make, be making our life easier and is going to be focusing on building housing, which I have the experience. I have the know-how. I can hit the ground running on day one. 
uh, and uh, and can uh, negotiate with the other orders of government and stand up for the city and bring the city together. And uh, and we need that. We need to bring the city together to face the challenges uh, that we're facing as a city and to work with the other orders of government. And I've done it before. I've done it during the campaign. And I will do it as mayor. I'm going to circle back, though. There are some negatives. You're saying you believe the positives outweigh the negatives here. I think that we've uh, we have a very positive momentum right now. Uh, I feel it. I've, I've been feeling it for days. I mean, I'm talking about John, though. You know, I'm talking about John Tory. You know that. I believe it's uh, a very positive me- momentum. I was out uh, on the street last uh, afternoon at uh, out in Scarborough, and people were coming up to me uh, talking about uh, talking about the uh, the endorsement. Uh, okay. And right, right away, they would talk about also as well the the plan and 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 you know uh, I want you to build more housing, and my kids can't afford to live in the city, and we're struggling. We can't afford more taxes, uh, but it was coming up quite a bit. Will John make any public appearances with you before Monday? Uh, you know what? I know that John is, is busy because I've actually seen him at other events before this as mm-hmm. well. We have a packed agenda uh, as well, and I'm focused on the campaign right now and reaching out to the residents. That's what I'm focused on, doing a lot of community events uh, and, uh, and continuing to reach residents across the city from Scarborough to North York to Etobicoke. And, uh, and uh, you know, right now I'm about to do... Uh, an announcement with many, many workers, and uh, and that's the focus that we have is to continue to deliver our message. Anna Bailao is joining us. You're closest with John Tory's well-documented. At some point, he must have told you he was going through, let's call it, a personal crisis, if only because the media was going to report it. What was that initial conversation like between you and him um, when this transpired? Uh, you know, we had a very professional, close relationship. Uh, not, we didn't discuss our personal life, and uh, and we always uh, talked uh, about our business and our shared uh, goals of building housing, our shared goals of getting things done through council. Uh, that and uh, that's what we continue to talk about today. It's how we're uh, we're going to deliver for the city of Toronto, and that's why I. I think that uh, John felt it was important to come out and really um, uh, endorse mm-hmm. me uh, because he loves this city uh, that I know and uh, and he knows that I am the one that can lead the city over the next few years and face the challenges that we're facing and work with council and other orders of government. Anna Bailas, our guest on 640 Toronto on Toronto Today. Do you call any other candidates in the race and ask for their support? This seems, we saw Mark Saunders try this a couple weeks ago, and to be honest, it, it, it failed as a tactic to suggest I'm the only one that can beat John Tory. But I, or excuse me, uh, obviously, um, to, to wit to beat Olivia Chow. Do you look now and say, I am that candidate, and now I must ask other candidates to back me. Uh, Greg, I've been saying for a long time that I am the best candidate to lead the city. I have uh, the experience, the track record, and the plan to lead the city. We cannot afford somebody that doesn't recognize that as an, uh, an affordability crisis, that like Olivia Chow, we cannot afford somebody that is going to be learning on the job. I have been there with council. I have the support of the, uh, you know, eight mm. councillors, like I said. And from day one, I've been saying that, and that is going to be the message until uh, June 26th at 8 o'clock. And we'll be asking the voters of Toronto uh, for their, uh, their, their vote. And, and, and the, the, the choice is very clear, I think. And, and in these last few days, I think, is becoming even more clear. 
Are you disappointed the premier is endorsing a candidate so strongly? I know he was critical of of Miss Chow, but he also has endorsed Mark Saunders. Do, do you think he should not be endorsing anybody at all, or are you disappointed? It's so it, it like he's very vocal about this now these last couple of days. I think uh, it, it is very clear that uh, that uh, he is uh, pushing for Doug Saunders, and I don't think the city of Toronto can uh, afford to have somebody that is going to be beholden to the premier. We need somebody that will work with the premier, but stand up when needed be. We need somebody that is going to be work, be firm and fair, and that's why I'm the best candidate. We can't have Doug Ford running the province and the city of Toronto. We need a mayor for the city of Toronto, a mayor that will work with the premier in a pragmatic way, in a firm and very fair way, but that will get us a good deal. And I'm the only candidate that will do that. Anna Bailau joining us on 640 Toronto. Thanks very much for the time, Anna. I know you have a ton to do before uh, voting day on Monday. I appreciate you coming on the show this morning. Always a pleasure. There's Thank a- you. Anna Bailau joining us on Toronto Today. Um, I think it matters. Look, I, again, um, we can push. Um, there's going to be an element of dodging's a strong word, but she's like it, it, John Tory at some point had a conversation with Anna Bailau about the endorsement. If Anna Bailau asked him, she must view it as more a positive than a negative. I think I think regardless of who you vote for, it matters and it has angered some people because John Tory is not a private, ordinary citizen with a private, ordinary life. If you lead the city and you're running for reelection and if he ran a third time knowing he's involved in this and it could be discovered, I, I don't want to think that the first part matters that much more than the second part, both parts together. I'll say it again. He knows he's involved in something that is going to get him into big time trouble. And he knows that it could be discovered. Sometimes those are uniquely different. This time they're linked. All of that ends up getting put in jeopardy by running a third time. And when you read the tea leaves and when you see what's there, many people close to John Tory said, don't run a third time. If not just because of this, just don't run a third time. But he ran the third time. He was overwhelmingly elected. And we ended up where we ended up, uh, Super Bowl weekend, in the middle of February. And that's why we're all voting on uh, Monday. I do believe that the, the the endorsement's more of a positive for Anna Bailao than a negative. But I wouldn't dismiss um, the negative uh, in this case. I wouldn't. I don't know that you can. Joining us in studio, you're going to know uh, her voice right away. And she's been uh, out there is the best way I can put it, uh, for Josh Matlow, but also um, an entrepreneur. That's an interesting word to get used to. She obviously uh, is well-known uh, for all her years, uh, being such a uh, fixture on much music. Uh, she is Erica M. It's great to have you in. We've been on the phone before, but now we have you here in person. And thanks for coming in. Yeah, and I it was a, a sort of a thrill because when Josh Matlow announced he was running for mayor. I'm sorry, who? I can just Josh joke. He was in yesterday. Matlow. Okay, okay. I know who he is. Yeah, that's and right. And you invited me on right. to talk about why I was excited about him running. And here we are. Yeah. And and we're we're coming up to uh to Monday. Josh I mentioned you was in yesterday. Um and I, I think it's gonna be really interesting because Josh, I think he would have been the most obvious person, Erica, to run against John Tory last fall, but he has a young young daughter and and thought 
maybe it's not the exact right time in my life. But as you know, this can happen even with careers and parenting and everything. Suddenly something hits you and you're like, now it's time to react. And so when John Tory resigns, I think one of the first names in all of our heads as somebody that would run to replace him was Josh Matlow when he's done it. He has run such an incredible campaign. This man has more integrity than any politician I've ever met. Now, I haven't met all the politicians who are running right now. You wouldn't want to. Right. <laughs> and I really well, feel like I, I have never been in, really involved in politics. I know Josh Matlow because he's been my city councillor for the last almost 14 years now. He was a school board trustee prior to that. So I've gotten to know him. And my neighbors and I have had to call upon him several times for issues in our city. I've watched him navigate our community. I've watched him bring the community together under some tough circumstances. I've watched him be super innovative. I watched him be responsive. I even watched him bring the public and the private sectors together with the community to solve big problems. And when he decided to run, I was thrilled because I really feel like there is stagnation at City Hall. And it's not just me that thinks it. Obviously, when you look at what's going on now in the social world of people talking, people are looking for change. They're looking for accountability mm -hmm. for, you know, these politicians who don't lie, politicians who keep their promises, politicians who believe in democracy. You know, the fact that John Tory welcomed this strong mayor power that, to me, is a slap in the face to every single person in Toronto. And to me, it's been fascinating in all these debates, which, by the way, are crap, listening to, I'm very opinionated, listening like to each of You're the candidates yeah. talk about would they enact the, uh, the strong mayor powers. And there is a distinct split between those who say they will and those who won't. Could I make the case? I think all that you said is true. And I think Josh has tremendous integrity. No question about it. I, I wish more politicians would... Um, would run plays from his book is the best way I can put it. But can I make the case that municipal politics is, just seems to be the hardest um, level to get things done at? Because we know in our politics at the provincial level, you get a majority government, you can kind of do what you want. The other parties can stand up and protest. And we've, we seem to have engaged more in majority governments at those levels than anything else. Same at the federal level. And, and now there's, there's though it's a minority um, liberal government, the NDP have given given basically the votes for the liberals to kind of do what they want because it's you, you give something to get something. But I bring that up because it just feels like, as you know, every municipality will be different. Every councillor might have a different ide ideology. So it's really tough to get two thirds of them on side because what might be good for one community might not be good for another. It's hard to get things done is my yeah, point. Yeah, but I voted my city councillor in. Mm -hmm. I picked that person to represent me in city hall and if you enact the strange, the strange, <laughs> the, the strong mayor powers, then you're basically obliterating what I want at City Hall potentially. Yeah. So, no, that's that's the cost of democracy. Yeah. What does um, what do you or your neighbors call a city councilor about? What makes a good city councilor when you say I've got this issue and then they respond in kind. What are these issues like? What, what, how do they manifest themselves? Well, they're, they're mostly things that are local in our area, but then they often trickle into issues 
that would be uh, related to at City Hall. So, for example, maybe there's speeding issues, but that has to be sort of a unilaterally decide upon new strategy, i.e. lowering speed limits, those kinds of things. Um, homelessness obviously is not an issue where I live, not obviously, but it isn't. Mm -hmm. But should there be a problem? Uh, I remember Josh Matlow's wife talked about uh, at one of the rallies for Josh, how someone called his office because there was a woman who was living in a park. They called him at around 10 o'clock at night. He answered the phone and he went into the park himself and he found that woman a place to stay. And then he he housed her. He found a place for her to live. So, you know, it's dealing with the local, but the local is sort of a reflection of what's going on across the city. Mm. I don't think that people are that different in pockets across across the city. I don't think they are. But I think to your point um, a few minutes ago, we're all looking at we don't want a city in decline. And you can start to, it's it's like anything else. You can start to see signs of. You know, bad bad habits, even personal bad habits, bad diet, bad sleep, um, drinking too much, doing whatever too much. And and it doesn't have to be a permanent slide. You can kind of reverse course. We're all looking for that in Toronto right now, aren't we? We need it. We were looking for a mayor who would acknowledge the problem and deal with the symptoms. So what happened with all these police raiding uh, um, the parks? It was it, it was so ineffective. Yes, it got the people out of one park. They had no plan for these people. They just arrested them and beat them up. But where are they ultimately going to leave? They're not just going to disappear. And so they just spread they out around the city. Park. Right. And so someone like Josh Matlow has a very mm. smart plan to um, not defund the police, but freeze the police budget just for three years. Take, I believe it's $115 million mm. that, would be, uh, that he would use. That would be the savings. And apply that to social services like mental health and um, safe homes for these people to go. You know, that's what I'm looking for. Someone with a solution. Okay. You'll stay and we'll talk more about Toronto. Do I have a choice? And where you're at. <laughs> <laughs> you're Erica M. You have a choice. 742. Lots more uh, with Erica M. next. We've got Erica M. Uh, in studio with us. Yummy Mommy Club. Still a thing that you're doing? You were very famous for that, and it was such a huge um, development, something that on the internet that wasn't really in existence, and, and it obviously got a lot of traffic, and you, you helped a lot of people. You advocated for a lot of people, too, on that site. Yeah, it's still going. I sold the business to Toys R Us last year, Okay, so that's been a very exciting venture for me. I still work for them uh, just part-time yeah. to keep the machine going. But it is um, one of the largest online properties for moms by moms in Canada. Yeah. Everyone would have probably ask, how do you know something's going to be successful? It's like when you move to Toronto. How do you know much is going to be successful? Or somebody would say, how do you know that this is going to work? And I guess you just forge your way and you do it. And I just until did, you're sure that it won't work, you stay with it. Well, I just did what I love. I work really hard and I was persistent and it took me more, well, it took me probably nine years of constant hard work, mm -hmm. and I went from zero to a million and a half in revenue, and that was just you know tenacity, hard work, and I surrounded myself with really smart women, mm -hmm. and we all worked from home, and this was way before the days of Zoom. So the business was um, really a collaboration between women across the country, everybody working at home while taking care of their kids, and being really creative and inventive and kind of 
we we kind of outsmarted the mainstream media and came up with new ways. We're not of, that hard to outsmart. <laughs> we came up with not. new ways to integrate advertising in a grassroots way that was meaningful to our demographic, which was moms. Yeah. Um. When what year did you first move to Toronto? Eighty three, or was it was it in eighty four to take the job when the network started? Uh, I came to Toronto in '82 to answer the phones for the new music, okay. and went on air on Much Music in 1985. I know, I know. I always romanticize coming to. You can imagine what it was like to come to Toronto from London in the '80s when you're coming up for, you know, a teenager and it's your first concerts or even a school trip to Ontario Place or Exhibition Stadium for something. So I don't want to like. I'm sure it had its issues then. But when you're a teenager, when you're in your early 20s, you don't spot it as much. What did you see in Toronto when you moved here as an adult that that reminds you of Toronto now? Or you're like, we, we've lost a little bit of our way in terms of where the city's at, which is why you're, you're again, advocating for people to vote for Josh Matlow and why the, the city's future means so much to you, because you've been here 40 years. Well, here's the thing. I moved to Toronto to answer the phones for the new music, and I also booked the entertainment for City TV and at the time. So I was in the mecca of the entertainment world from a very young age, mm-hmm. sort of meeting the movers and shakers. And I would say that that's been consistent throughout my life, and I feel like, wow, Toronto is an amazing mecca now for culture in Canada and really culture around the world partly because we're we have so many immigrants in Toronto that our culture is so much richer today. Um I love the city so much. When I worked back in the day at Much Music, it was it was an early adopter really of DEI. There were people of all different colors and backgrounds who were on camera at Much Music and City TV. I was so proud to be a part of that tapestry of faces and cultures of Canada. And I love that Toronto is becoming more and more a cultural tapestry. I'm glad you said that because uh, in London, you get sort of the best of Detroit and the best of Toronto, right? You're two hours from each city. And so we get Detroit TV and I'd see a lot of black faces on television in Detroit, which was important. But you're right. When it came to Toronto, outside of much and city, you weren't seeing people that you know, look like Sunil Joshi or Michael Williams or or and or David Onley, obviously, who we just lost in the last six months. That was so important and groundbreaking and different. And and it, and I I'd like to think it took too long to cut to catch on, but now it's more prominent. And it, you have to start somewhere. Yeah, and it's interesting because I actually do a keynote about what much music in the '80s can teach us today about innovation. Okay. And for sure, the look and feel of Much Music and who they chose to hire and give a platform is something that was so revolutionary at the time. Even hiring me, I was like, you know, a kind of average, big-nosed Jewish girl that usually was not seen on mainstream media, usually perky blonde. Look mm. at, Think about it, all the people who were hired. I looked different. I sounded different. And that's why Moses picked me and the entire cast and crew of Much Music, because we were all real people. We were authentic. Interesting, today in the world of social media, that's what people are looking for and drawn to, people who tell the truth. And I'm going to go back to Josh Matlow. That's consistent in my life. I'm a truth teller, and I feel like politicians necessarily aren't necessarily truth tellers. In fact, it's the opposite. We saw 
just the other day that Tory and Ford both promised not to go into the election, and both of them have endorsed candidates, which they literally lied to us again. And that is why I'm sitting with Mm -hmm. you today, because Josh Matlow is a man of his word, which is, I know, unheard of, but I've known him for 14 years. This guy actually tells the truth, and sometimes it's a hard truth, but he has so much integrity that he'll stand up and take the the storm that comes at him for speaking truth to power. Jennifer McKelvey did this too. She like you have to you you are deputy mayor for four months. Oh come on, keep the seat warm. You're you're not. You said you wouldn't endorse anybody, and you're really not. All they're supposed doing to. The, really they just want to protect their jobs. That's all they're doing. Is there they you know Tory set a certain standard for city hall, like it or not, whatever. And so he just wants to continue his legacy. Anna voted for him 95% of the time and then left to join a team of developers. What kind of city do you want? Um, do Does the prospect of Olivia Chow being mayor, is it worrisome or is it just more you align with some of what she believes in, but you don't see her as, as Josh? Or is it a combination of both? Well, I feel like Josh has a lot of what Olivia has to offer, um, but he's a little more grounded in reality, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Olivia is lovely. Don't get me wrong. And I think she really believes and has hope for the city and cares about people. But I don't know if she's fiscally responsible. And that's a big issue in Toronto right now. I think you're right. I, I, I think that balance of fiscally responsible yet having some compassion, to be honest to me, it's why we elected you know, the Liberal Party in Ontario for about 15 straight years. It doesn't mean they were perfect and no politician is. And time runs out like time. Time runs out for everybody. Time's going to run out for Justin Trudeau or Doug Ford or whomever. It always does come. But to your point, there's that balancing act there. And the people that have talked to me about Olivia, who know really well, really well, say exactly what you said. She's good in the room. You'd rather have her on your team than not on your team. But can she be front facing? And go up to Doug Ford or whomever the premier is or Justin Trudeau or Pierre Paul Yevra, And can you fight and put the gloves on and battle for Toronto? And people people who know her and really like her are worried that she can't. They're, and they're afraid to say it publicly, which is also too bad because now's the time to say things in the next four days. You're well, here that, for that reason. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Because if you are sitting on the fence and don't know who to vote for, I really ask you to go to Josh Matlow, uh, sorry, votematlow.ca. And his entire platform is there and it's costed and it's wise and it's smart. You can also just look at his social and he has all different videos where he talks about his vision for the city and it's wise and it has deep integrity. He's being straight with you. It's honest. He's a hard worker. Man, is he a hard worker. He will get the job done. If he doesn't win on Monday, are you hoping he runs again? Of course. Of course. Although everybody in my community, by the way, this is sort of interesting. Yeah. Um, pre-voting, our ward, his St. Paul's ward, had the highest voter turnout in the pre-voting for the, the the mayor's race this year. So that's a good sign. It's a great sign for him. And it really, but it really speaks to the fact that he is a fantastic, call it a politician, city councilor. He is responsive to his community, and I know he would do the same for Toronto. Mm. 
Um, got a great text in somebody who's who's a huge fan of yours and loves listening. Um, are you st- are you going to concerts still? Do you still follow music a fair bit? Is it part of your life? Not so much. Not as much I anymore. I love the theater. I'm really grateful. Mervish invites me to most of their shows, <laughs> and I'm much happier there these days. To be honest, are you really? Yeah. Mm. Give me somebody you you never you never landed the white whale. A big interview, a big oh. superstar that you wish you had Sup- in 1986. 19- Super easy. Who would it be? Bono, you too. Never came in. Oh, he came in. But because- How do they not give that to you? Because everybody was worried that I would fall into a puddle of mush oh, because sake. I was such a fan. And um, I I still am angry at my bosses for never putting me in the rink with Bono and having a great conversation. <laughs> that is a struggle. I could have artists in here and go, you're fantastic. Your thoughts. Like I could do that, but it's, it's tricky, I right? I would have had a deep conversation. Yeah. And I really understand or thought I understood uh, what they represented, which is more than music. And they also, you know, I would say that Bono and Matlow, same kind of people have a very strong vision mm. of right and wrong. They stand up for what they believe in, believe in them. Not everyone is on board with either of them. Some people say they are too opinionated or too on the side of good, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but those are the kind of people that attract me. Huh. I can't thank you enough for coming in um, and uh, speaking your piece, telling your truth as it were. And uh, I've always been a big fan of your integrity also. So thank you for coming thank in and doing this so today. Thank you so much. Anytime. You bet. Let's do in or out right now. Are you in or out? Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So are we in or out? You're out. You are over and out. No, 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 no. You insulted him a little bit. I'm okay with it, but now you're making me feel weird about it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, I I, I saw a uh, limousine pull out of a gas station um, on Saturday, as a matter of fact, and it, it kind of I kind of led it into traffic into the left hand lane, and I thought about it, and I thought, when's the last time I've been in a limousine? When what would I rent a limousine for at any point in time? You know, I'm happily married already. Hi, honey. How's it going? Um, and uh, and I've gone through. I've graduated from high school already. This, this isn't some kind of Billy Madison scenario. So what would I rent one for? And we wanted to make that our in out renting a limo. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred is the phone number. And is it still as in style as it used to be, Sheba? Where are you at on renting a limousine? I know. I know there's not one waiting in the driveway for your eighth grader tonight. I know no, that that's isn't. true. He gets a minivan I'm, ride to grad. I know that. <laughs> or a walk. He absolutely yeah. does. Uh, I'm out. I'm out on limousines. I've never even been a fan. I mean, maybe when I was really young and I saw a pretty woman or something, <laughs> I would have been. Really, you want to I ride in Richard Gere's limo? Uh, yeah, maybe. Yes. I, you know, I was impressed by that. that like, that's that's the equivalent of making it in life. But other than that, no, I don't want to be in a limo. Even for my wedding. I don't remember the last time I was in a limo. So you didn't have one for your wedding? No, we were we were thinking high school about high it school prom. No, we had a a huge Hummer. Well, that's sort of that sort is of no, like not it. a not a limousine. Like like a huge like those like Hummer like Jeeps. Like it was enormous. It okay. wasn't a limousine at all. And we got piled into that. That was fun. Somebody I don't even know who rented that. Somebody's dad owned it. I don't know. I know for bachelorette uh, parties they're doing like party buses more. I know my wife did one to go to a concert out in Oshawa with like like nine girls from her gym or whatever, and they rented a party bus and just like I th- these things have lights and the music gets going and it feels like you're on a disco and then you don't have to worry about seatbelts. 
and all that. Have you ever been on a party bus? (laughs) I've I have been on a party bus, right? Uh, But you know what's ridiculous? My I'm just gonna say this: when my 14 year old was 10 years old, his friend had a birthday party, and they went to some paintball place. But he wanted a limousine to take the kids there, so his mom actually for his 10th birthday rented a limousine, went around the neighborhood, picked Mm -hmm. up all of the kids in the limousine, and he didn't want his mom in the limo. So his mom drove in her van behind the limo the entire time. She gave time. it like a police escort, a, a minivan yes. escort. Um, Which I found ridiculous. Are you in or out? I'm, I'm, no, I, I'm out. I, I, I'm trying to think what I would use it for. I think it's got its moment where you should do it once or twice. But if people are renting a limo for, like, you, you shouldn't get one for your 50th birthday. And you shouldn't oh, get what? one for, like, I, like, I think there are more in movies on a ratio basis than they are. I assume if I see one... It's prom or wedding, and that's it. I I don't know what else. I, mean, I can't. I don't. I wouldn't rent one for a Wait, bachelor did you have one party. For, you didn't have one for your wedding? No, no. So when have did I been you want in one? one? No. <laughs> do I want another wedding or do I want a limousine? <laughs> I don't. Okay. Uh, second, we're gonna downscale for the second wedding. I'm advising uh, my wife to do exactly that. Dave, Dave Hunter, you're, you've got you've got still a lot of life ahead of you. Like when you when you get married someday, maybe a maybe a limousine, a longer car. Well, I was married a couple months ago. Well, how am I supposed to know? You, <laughs> you look too young to get married. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? And I didn't know that. Dave. See, you've Wait, been you've been bearing the lead story. Okay. Um, I have not been in a limo ever, and I think this is showing my age, but I would absolutely take a deluxe Uber. So you can like choose on the app to go into oh, sports Oh, like the Uber X? Yes. So that's what we did uh, coming back from our wedding. We got a uh, we got a nice Tesla to ride back in, and I would do that oh. way more often at any time. Um, uh, far, it, far more than a limo. Okay, so the, the story is 416-870-6400. <laughs> 40% of limo rental revenues, based on a recent study, are weddings, parties, or high school events. And that's it. But again, for a party, I'm like, no, I don't think like like a golf outing is worthy of a limousine. I don't think, <laughs> I don't, going to play tennis with somebody is not going to a Leafs regular season game. Okay, is not but at limo age, worthy. At your Excuse age, me, but yes. What is, what is the appropriate time to use a limousine? I don't know if there is one now yeah, at this see, point. I don't think there is either. Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Weekdays at 5.30. We are 640 Toronto.